Good morning, everyone. My friends, um, this, this past uh, weekend, last weekend for Easter, uh, we had close to 2,200 people come through the church for prayer and for uh, the Trichuam and Easter, and those were almost pre-pandemic numbers, which means people are coming out of their shells uh, or out of the tombs, as I put it on Easter Sunday, because I said, I haven't seen some of you since Christmas. There is resurrection. Look, look. Then, of course, I said, would you please come back next Sunday? And yeah, that didn't. It's not standing room only. <laughs> so they went back to their, uh, to their shells. But um, my heart was uh, filled with joy and gratitude that they were present. And we always, we continue to pray and we hope to see them again before Christmas. My friends, uh, <clears throat> the very end of the gospel, <clears throat> the writer says, there were other things that Jesus did that we didn't write about. And you should have caught that at the end. I mean, there's so much in it, but I'm curious as to what was Jesus doing that they didn't record. He didn't say it was a secret. He just said, we didn't, I didn't put it in this book. Um, I'm sure whatever it was was significant because he brought it up. But uh, I suppose when we get to heaven, we can ask John the evangelist, so what was it that he was doing besides walking through walls? And Because, you know, he came on locked doors and things. So my friends, uh, <clears throat> every year on this Sunday, uh, second Sunday of Easter, there's a, this gospel is read uh, all the time. And uh, there can be a focus on Thomas and uh, I think it works, and there's so much in it that we can't cover everything. Last night I uh, spoke about the scars of Jesus and perhaps why, uh, when he had the ability to, in his glorified body, not to have them anymore, he chose to. And um, today I want to take a look at um, Thomas, and uh, uh, we, we, the young folks won't know, but we understand there is a phrase that even the secular world would use. And stop being a doubting Thomas. Well, that comes from Scripture, um, this whole thing with him. And, uh, but uh, the first thing I want to put out there was he wasn't the only one. They all were like that. As we were told, they were hiding in the room, and they didn't believe, and they doubted everything. And, uh, uh, but uh, Thomas, uh, probably very frankly, was very open about it. And... Uh, <clears throat> We see this exchange between Christ and Thomas now, and it helps us to see what faith in the Lord is like, uh, if you will, by contrast of what was going on in Thomas's little world at the time. And uh, the first act, uh, or the first aspect about this doubt that he has, uh, presents itself as hesitation about the truth of the resurrection of the body. Because uh, remember, he wasn't there when Jesus first appeared. Uh, so he did not see with his eyes the risen Lord. In this, he represents the transition that all of us through time, all the disciples, including us today, have to make, needing, meaning that we will not have the visual experience of Christ <clears throat> with our eyes, um, but we have to make a transition from that to experience the invisible, if you will, um, or as we would say in the Catholic Church, the sacramental and spiritual presence of Christ in sign and sacrament. Remember, Jesus is going to ascend, so he is not going to be present that way to them, where you could touch his body that way. Although we cannot see the Lord, he is here, he is present, 
who's really with us uh, in the sacraments of the church and in the life of his church. And uh, um, our scriptures for the day talks about that. <clears throat> the second reading addressed that. Although you cannot see him, you love him. And although you will not, and that he's talking about with the physical eyes, you cannot. And although we cannot see then uh, with our eyes that way, we can experience Christ through faith. It will mean going from physical sight with human eyes to spiritual sight through faith. For salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Do I need to repeat that? Salvation comes through faith, belief, and in that belief, doing something. As Jesus said, uh, there's only one beatitude in John's gospel. A beatitude is blessed are or blessed is. There's only one. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. St. John, the gospel writer, is putting forth that through belief we will have life in Christ's name. One of the other aspects of doubt when it comes to Thomas had to do with the wounds. Thomas doubted that these wounds which he had seen would lead to glory. He knew and experienced that they led to death. He wasn't far, even though they all ran away, he wasn't far. He was there that day, somewhere close. He knew those nails and that sword and that cross was going to kill him. He knew that uh, this would be death. So he experienced death through them. But the resurrection, he was having trouble with that. So Thomas, I think, needed to see the scars. He knew scars were real, and if the person appearing had those scars, he would believe that Jesus Christ is truly risen in the body. <clears throat> I don't think Thomas had a problem with spirit. He had a problem with the body. Jesus really suffered and died and rose again. Not pretend. Not symbolically, for real. Jesus conquered human death and rose to glory. Through our Christian faith, we cannot only survive then setbacks and sufferings, but also come through them with new life. This is also uh, what the first reading and the second reading will reference and talk about. And uh, so my friends, out of any kind of death and suffering, the risen Lord can bring new life through it. Jesus suffered, and he died, and he rose from the dead to fullness of life. And with him, so can we, if we have faith in him. And my friends, it is in times of trials that, uh, and this is what that second reading is getting at, um, you may have to, I mean, it states it, you will have to have some trials and suffering now. Now, Peter puts forth is, and this will prove the strength of your faith. I mean, that's kind of hard. We're going to have to pray about that and let that fall on our heart about this. I mean, and then finally, one of the other aspects of Thomas's doubt was that the crucified and risen Jesus Christ really forgave. This part, I think most of us can relate to. Remember, they abandoned him. They became traitors to him when they denied him and then ran away on the crucifixion. And that's you know, that's rough. That's tough. 
the disciples denied and deserted Jesus, and Thomas found it difficult to believe that the risen Jesus Christ would forgive them completely. And yet that is exactly what Jesus did in that opening uh, account of the gospel. And my friends, so that brings us to us. Perhaps we have doubts that Jesus really forgives us. And as a priest who hears confessions, I can tell you that this is a continuing theme. I don't think Jesus is going to forgive me for this. Or I doubt that he forgives me at all. And I'm like, well, why are you even in this room? What is it that you want from me then? If you do not believe this. I can tell you that he will. But if you leave here doubting it, you're still going to be not chained by your sin, but by your lack of trust in him. But forgiveness is a crucial part it's a crucial part of our Christian faith. Um, it is up there with belief in the resurrection of the body. Our life as individuals and as a parish community is not always ideal. But God's grace and his forgiveness gives us the confidence and as stated in the second reading, the living hope that all things will be righted one day, that there will be healing, there will be a new start, as it were, with Christ. The forgiveness we receive in what we call the sacrament of reconciliation and through the worthy reception of the Eucharist gives us grace to walk in holiness, to grow in faith, and to be able to withstand, not without suffering, the trials of this world. And as his disciples, it allows us to go and to extend peace and reconciliation, healing, and loving to other people. That is also what disciples of Christ are to do. Part of the lesson found in today's gospel reading is that we encounter Christ not with our human eyes, but through the eyes of faith. My friends, last night I brought this up too. Thomas sees Jesus with his eyes, and he gets to touch him the way I'm touching this plant. And you would think that that would be enough. That alone should have done it, but uh, that wasn't enough. Jesus has to get really graphic with him. Put your finger in the nail mark, touch the scar, and put it in my side. <laughs> the sight of Jesus in visions then may or may not save someone. I'm amazing this on the scene today. But what does do this? It's all throughout the New Testament. Faith and trust in Jesus Christ does save. And faith is not just belief about Jesus of Nazareth, meaning an understanding about him. I read about him in a book. I've, I've assented that he probably walked on the earth, but that's it. It's going to take more than that. It encompasses trust in him, which leads to living out the Christian faith. Also, we come to understand that the Lord desires to forgive. That's why he came. He came to reconcile the relationship between humans and his Father. And this was the way it was going to have to happen. This is the reconciliation. So we can receive Christ's forgiveness when we approach him. And uh, with humble and contrite hearts, we can put our faith and trust in him who is our Lord. As Jesus said, blessed are those who have believed. 
and not seen me. It is through faith that we come to know that very same salvation, the very same forgiveness, the very same peace, the very same grace, the very same union with Jesus Christ as those original apostles and disciples had. You get to have that. It just requires faith. Now, the other thing that I wish we had, we hear in the first reading. They were in common. They came together, had meals together. They prayed together. Breaking of the bread is the code word for Eucharist. In their time, they had the Eucharist, and then they shared everything with each other. But my friends, it moves beyond the possessions. What they had was community. They had community, and they were one. We don't have that. With 32,000 denominations of Christians at each other's throat, fighting with each other, we don't have that. The one thing that Jesus asked for, Father, that they be one as you and I are one. I would like to have that, sure, I'd like to go on the yacht, but I'd rather have that community and my friends, the time is coming when Christians are going to have to put down all their arguing and come together because the world is increasingly becoming hostile to all the religions. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. The Abrahamic faiths, for sure. We're going to have to come together. Amen? Amen.